Lord, thank you that you're God and we're not. And we're going to do, we're going to try to listen to what you tell us about yourself today. Lord, stand in my shoes, give me your thoughts and speak with my mouth. Because I only want to say what you want said. And Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you want us to see, hear, and receive. Let us walk out of here today knowing you better and changed as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a creed, it's it's one of those words that we just, you know, there was a band back in the 90s named Creed, and it's just one of those things that that we think we know what it means. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, Every seminary student at Western Seminary, when they graduate, before they graduate, they have to write a credo. And that is a 35 to 50 page, um, I believe statement. So credo means I believe. A creed is what is believed, okay? So... um, this creed, we have three, that every, every church that is, it's one of the things that defines what is Christian and what isn't, okay? So there are um, kind of theological boundaries that get set, and if you're inside of those boundaries, you might move over here a little bit more, you might move down a little bit more, you might move over a little bit more, but every, it, it, to be within those boundaries means you're Christian. To be outside of those means that you're either a sect or a cult, Okay, so that's one of those, one of the reasons that theology and doctrine are, are necessary. We, we, we do find out through the study of theology and doctrine and creeds that, that creeds tell us more of what we don't believe than what we do. Um, it, by telling us what we believe, it's saying that things outside of that we don't. So we have three creeds. The Apostles' Creed is the one we here are most familiar with. Most of you could do it from memory. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We know this because we, we, we recite it almost every time we do a baptism um, in this service. And then you have what's known as the Nicene Creed. That's the one we're going to read today. The Nicene Creed, also known as the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed. I will explain why that is in a minute. And then the Athanasian Creed. Um, in the third or the, the fourth century, so that's the 300s and the 400s, so it's the, the fourth and fifth century, um, the Christianity got power. It became the religion of the civilized world. Constantine was the emperor, and he wanted peace and not division throughout the known world at the time. And he declared that the, that the religion of the empire was Christianity. He had been a convert, and he wanted to make sure that in order, in order to make sure that the kingdom or the empire could, should, could stay together, there needed to be no major divisions. And he saw the church and Christianity to be a primary way to hold this empire empire together, but there were some differing opinions and some bickering that was going on between the bishops um, of that time. So he gathered all the bishops together at a council called the Council of Nicaea, and that was in 325 325 AD. And he didn't know that a creed was going to come out of it, but all the bishops did. And there were really two schools that were... um, that were uh, that had that two two people that championed different schools within Christianity. One was a guy named Arius, and the the heresy that Arius believed is known as Arianism, but it's not Nazi youth Arianism, not like the great Arian race. It just happened to be his name. So Arius Arianism. Um, he believed some things that we were clear that Scripture doesn't teach. And then you have Athanasius and Eusebius, and they champion what is now what we know as the Nicene Creed and what's believed in there. Basically, it's this. Um, 
this creed is Trinitarian. So we, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, and I believe in the Holy Spirit and then the church. That's what the, uh, that's what the, 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 the Apostles' Creed says. But the Nicene Creed says that, that we believe in one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the division that was taking place, we're almost done with the history. The division that was taking place was this. One group of people thought that Jesus was God's son, but he was lesser than the father. So, and, and, and these guys are saying, no, Jesus is God's son, but he is of one essence with the father. So he's the same. So father, son, Holy Spirit. It's called the perichoretical relationship between father, son, and Holy Spirit. A, a loving, non-competitive, mutually beneficial relationship within the Godhead. One God, three persons. Can't do that. Anyway. And the whole debate, the biggest debate was over these two Latin phrases. Tell me if you can tell the difference. The homoousius of Jesus and the homoousion of Jesus. Homoousius. I'm hoping I'm not mixing these up. If there's a professor, I'm sorry. The homoousius of God is that Jesus, the son, the second person of the Trinity, is of the same essence or same substance as the father. The homoousion is the son is of a similar or like substance as the father. So and we still have Christian, they call themselves Christian sects, S-E-C-T-S today, that believe that there's father, there's son, and there's Holy Spirit. We believe, and we decided we believed it back in the 300s, that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they're all of equal substance. They're all, they're all God, all one, not three gods, one God, but three persons, and there's not one greater than or lesser than the other. So it's Trinitarian in nature. So I'm just gonna read it. Um, it took 100 years to nail this down. And there were bishops put in exile because the new emperor has favored the ones that didn't believe in the Trinity, and they brought them in, and they were in charge. And then they, four times, Athanasius was the Bishop of Constantinople and, and, and kicked out and then back and then kicked out and then back. It took a hundred years for the church to figure out what we believe. And it is important that we know it because it tells us who God is, how God has revealed himself to us. So here's the creed. We believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, or the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. So a lot of that sounds familiar, but some of it you'll see they're speaking specifically against Arianism, but for what we call orthodoxy. 
Now, one other little note about this is that there's one phrase in here that still divides the Eastern Church, the Orthodox Church, Russian Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox, and even the Coptic Church, which is the Egyptian Church, and what's known as the Latin or Western Church, and that's Catholicism and all of Protestantism. And it's this. Uh, the Lord, the giver of life, he, this is the, he proceeds from the Father and the Son, talking about the Holy Spirit. The East, the East, it was a big divide. That's what separated the whole papacy and all of that stuff. The, 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 the Eastern church left the Western church and did not any longer adhere to the, um, the Pope uh, over whether the spirit came, proceeds from the father or proceeds from the father and the son. And they still to this day argue that it's not from the father and the son, but the father. I, I'm going to find out when I get there. Um, so it's a creed. It means something. It meant something. It cost people their careers, their fortunes, their sacred honor. And some, they believe it cost them their salvation because they were uh, excommunicated from the church. So this is, this, is, this is hard fought. And it's important, not only because it was hard fought, but because it tells us something. And today we're going to speak primarily about God, the Father Almighty, the... Um, maker of heaven and earth of all things seen and unseen. And we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go to Genesis 1, and I'm going to read part of it. And then I'm going to read the first several verses, and then I'll just kind of highlight some things, which the people on the projector, I didn't tell them I was going to do that. That's kind of messed with them. But, and, and then we'll end the message with a little piece from Romans. And somehow in here, I'm going to try to remind you who God is. And it, it's beyond my ability. Um, I don't have words capability, but I'm not going to try to emote to get an emotional response out of you. I'm just going to try to remember or remind us that we should consider who it is we worship, what he's like, and the enormity of the fact that he cares about you. Because if I were God, I don't think I would. And it's not that I don't care about you. It's just that we're compared to him, we're nothing. And so let's read from the beginning here. In the beginning, God, Ray Vanderlaan would say at Hebrew University um, in Jerusalem that you, you, if, you can't get, if you can't deal with those first words, stop reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the whole surface of the deep. Uh, and the spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit right there, was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. By the way, always in the scriptures, the day begins at sunset, not at sunrise. We've kind of flipped that around. And you'll notice it's always, it was evening and it was morning because it started with darkness and God spoke into the light. And, and made light. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And, and it was so. And God said, the, called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be, be gathered into one place uh, and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God said, it was so. 
God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees of the, on the land and the bear fruit with seed in it according to the various kinds. And then down to 14, and God said, let there be lights in the, in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and, and let, them, let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And God made two great ones, the greater to govern the day, the lesser to govern the night. That's our sun and our moon. And then down to verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. And then down to 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to his kind. And down to verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish and the sea, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over the earth and, all, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And then down to 31. And God saw that he had made, God saw all that he had made and it was tob mayod. It was good, very. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now there are two creation accounts in the book of Genesis. One is the, what, what we just read from. It's kind of the order that, that the scripture tells us that God did his creating. And then there's one that, that repeats some of that, but it's really about humanity and God's intent, God's purpose, and God's desire for them. And that's where we find out about the walking and talking and knowing and loving relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. But the reason I wanted to read part of that first creation story is a couple of things. Number one, it, there's a, there's a, there's a Trinitarian idea, or at least there's a multiple person of the Godhood, Godhead right there. It doesn't say the Trinity and it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the, the, the God, God speaks, the Spirit hovers, let us make humanity in our image. So what is going on there? Well, there, there's more than just this, but there's, there's this idea that God has relationship with God's self. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that, that Jesus was just, or that what we, who knew, we know was Jesus, but the second person of the Trinity, the Son, was just as much speaking the world into existence as was the Father, as was the Spirit. But they, they don't compete with one another. In fact, we get a core value in our church from this idea of, of the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's, it's less self. It's, it's showing preference to the other, not being in competition, not trying to glorify one person over another, one ministry over another, or one church over another, but what is it that God would have us do, and how do we make sure that everything gets lifted up so that God is praised? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do not compete with one another. They love each other, and they're always looking to let the other be glorified and, and because it's, they're all God. It's a glorious and wonderful thing. And we see right here that God, who did not need us to worship him in order for God to feel like God. God is God. God, before anything was, God is. Before there, was, before there were physics, God is. Before there was time, God is. Before there was anything, God is. God stands outside of the universe and within it. He stands outside of time, but the creator of it. God is God. God is beyond our, our wildest imagination. Any thought you've ever had of the enormity of the universe does not even, cons can't even, can't compare to the fact that God, you, the day that God said, let there be light, you 
were already an idea and you remain God's idea and God continues to speak so that you are. If God shut up, you and I cease, not only cease to exist, but never were. I mean, this God, the one who makes all things, the one who is almighty, omnipresent, and, and, and omniscient, he knows it. every thought you've ever had, he knows it. Every thought you've ever had that you shouldn't be thinking, he's seen it. And every thought you have of yourself or of God that is true and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy, God spoke it to you. Because no one has a thought about God that's true that God did not reveal. So any idea you ever have about God and the enormity of God and the, the wonder of God, the awe of God, the person of God, the character of God, the, the characteristics of God, the attributes of God, whatever you think, he's given you that idea. Now, I don't know if you get this. I know I don't. But to even the thought that someone that powerful, someone that big, someone that intelligent would even consider that I matter blows me away. It, sh it doesn't blow me away as much as it should. We get so used to thinking of God that we forget. We're not in awe. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. And there's this story of Job, and I don't like it because I don't like that God and Lucifer, the accuser, that they get to have this divine wager and that God let it happen. But God is God and I am not. And Job was faithful and, and, and the, the, serpent, or the, the, the devil kept telling God that, oh, he's only faithful because you're so good to him. He says, okay, you can't kill him, but do what you got to do. And Job loses everything, kids, wife, the whole deal. And then he has boils all over his body and he's got friends that show up and go, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. Job's like, no, I haven't. But it got bad enough that Job started to kind of accuse God. He kind of shook it. And, and, and folks, you can be raw and honest with God. In fact, we're going to be in a series after this Creed series on the Psalms. And we're going to look at the ones that are hard because it's good to be right or to be raw and honest with God. I think that's what God wants. It gives him something to work with. But God's going to respond. And Job cried out. It's like, it'd be better if I was never born. Kind of, he doesn't curse God, but he gets darn close. And here's God's response. And I paraphrase, but, oh, I'm sorry. Were you there when I hung the sun? Were you there when I put the stars in there? Who do you think you're talking to? Now, I don't like that, but what dad hasn't done that? I'm sorry. Yeah, if you want it your way, you can leave here, but you're going to leave here the same way you came in, naked and broke. It's a wise thing for us to be in awe of God. It is a wise thing for us to have a fear of the Lord. But this God that created everything, I want to just, just for a second, picture the person that you most wish you could meet, but you're also afraid that if you did, you'd be so starstruck, starstruck you couldn't speak your own name. Like if I have a person in mind and they, and they come up and they're like, and, and I, I just run into them on the street and they're like, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, Trevor, Troy, Troy, Brett, Brent, Trent. I don't know. Figure out who that person is in your life. And don't tell me, I don't want to know. Imagine the opportunity not only to meet that person, but to be in an ongoing relationship with that person, for that person to talk about you as their friend for the rest of your life. Imagine what an honor that would be. And then multiply it, and multiply it, and multiply it, and multiply it again. That is some idea 
of the enormity of what it is that God adores you. You are God's idea. You know that you, he's thinking about you right now. Always. He's speaking you into existence right now. Always. This morning I got up, Lynn, and, I, and this is the earliest I get up on a, in, in a, on a morning in the week. It's Sunday mornings. Um, and Lynn's always up. And I walked into the kitchen. I don't even know my own name yet. I'm just like, oh, my getting the coffee. And, but I always grab my phone. The first thing I look for is if my daughter sent a picture or a video of my granddaughter overnight. And it's the first thing I'm going to watch, even if I'm grumpy. And I walk in, I haven't looked at it yet. And I said, Lynn, you got to see this. And I hit play and we both sat there. She's got a little rattle, but she can't move it. Right. So my daughter's kind of doing this and she's kind of cackling little, like, like little giggles and, oh, yes. And then, but I, I have more pictures of this child on my phone than there are pictures of me in existence. I've never taken, I've never had it. And I would kill or die for this little person and I've never met them. I've never met her. And, and hopefully one day I will. I just want to make her laugh. That's, but but all, not every thought of every day, but, but oh, I adore this child. And if you've got a grandkid or if you've got a newborn, you know how that feels. Now they get to the teenage years and sometimes you're like, I... I get it. I was that kid. But you know that God has your picture in his iPhone that he with father, son, and spirit are taught. Let me show you my kid. And he, and he, look at that smile. Look at those lips. You see those eyes? I made those eyes. They're just perfect. They remind me of me. That's how God, the God of the universe, that's how he thinks of you. This is a good thing. He pursued and it cost him everything. He did not take the son from Abraham. He didn't take the people. He took David and David said, it's not my sin. It's not their sin. It's mine. Take me, not them. And, and, but he did offer his own son, the God of the universe, who's always been father, son, and spirit, separated son from father and spirit so that you could be connected to father, son, and Holy Spirit. That is unthinkable that the God of the universe would even care much less know and be approachable and be intimate and willing to offer you that which costs him everything. Is anyone here, is there another nerd in the room? Is anyone here familiar with the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No one, okay, a couple. You remember Zaphod Beeblebrox? Main character, most arrogant man in the universe, or in the galaxy, I guess. They used to, they, when, when they, someone needed to be humbled, they would put them in this box and it would show them the enormity and the vastness of the universe and just how insignificant you were as a person. And they put Zaphod in there and he came out thinking he was an even bigger deal than he was. I'm sorry, but we kind of do that with God. We, God created us in his image and we kindly return the favor. We make him small. And we make it like he works for us instead of us working for him. We say, what I, I want to do it my way, Lord. I don't want to do it your way. But, but he made you. You think he might have a better idea of what's going to make your life work and be meaningful than you do? When he's been thinking about you for however long the universe has been in existence, and he's thinking about he, the day you were conceived was the day that God had marked out Millennia before, for you to be conceived. The day you took your first breath, he's been counting on that, planning that, and thinking that, and speaking that since, the, since he hung the stars in the sky. This God adores you. And we go, I want in my, we just shouldn't. 
So I want to ask you to do something today before we end with the, in the book of Romans just for a couple of verses. Just ponder God today, just five minutes. Just five minutes. Think about who God is, how big God is, and ask him to tell you something new, to show you something new. Whether it be in the scriptures, whether it be that he just gives you a thought. Because if it's a thought that's right about God, God spoke it into your brain. Because you cannot, every idea, every true thing you know about God, God has, it's God's idea. It's God's, it's God's voice, not yours. But just ponder God. Because next week we're going to talk about, Pastor Doug's going to talk about the, the, the son and that he was begotten, not made, but he's eternal past and he's eternal present and he's eternal future. Before Abraham and Isaac were, I am, says Jesus. But if we miss the fact that we make God small, then we're not worshiping God. And that would be sad if we think we are and we're not. Here's what Paul says about the people of his time, and tell me if it sounds a little bit like today. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, I'm not saying that any of us are making carvings and of a bird and saying, you brought me out of Egypt or you saved me. But we do, we do make God small. I make God small. And he's not small. And when I'm wrong about something, I make God great, but I forget that he's good. And when my life hurts, I forget that he's a loving father and that he's hurting with me I just want him to take my pain away. So sometimes we make God small. We make him in our image instead of realize that we're made in his. And the glory of this is that we can worship the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and never, ever get to all of it, to know him completely. But the beauty of it is as vast as he is, as big as he is, as powerful as he is, as wise as he is, as intelligent as he is, he's still knowable. And he desires to be in relationship with his idea, his loved one, his child. And he wants to show your pictures to the whole world and brag about who you are. God has never made a mistake, therefore neither are you. And I know that's terrible grammar, but you know what I mean. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for making us. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for thanking us and for speaking us into being, just like you did with the light and order from chaos and water from sea. You speak, therefore we are. Help us to ponder you today. And Lord, give us, give us something new. Something we don't know, not something new of you, but something we don't know of you. So that we're in awe and grateful all over again. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.